Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North. I'm going to this. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. All right, we are dealing with the aftermath of Computex 2021. And uh, wow, uh, this year's was. Uh, it sparked some emotion. I'll just phrase it like that. This year's Computex sparked some emotion. I actually don't know if Computex had a physical show. I don't think it did. I'm pretty sure it was just a culmination of every major tech manufacturer just putting together a keynote that was, uh, or not even a keynote, like a presentation sort of video they, that made everyone cringe. The only one I actually got a chance to see, and by see, I mean actually see live, because the thing is that Computex, it normally takes place over the pond. It takes place in, like, I want to say Taiwan, but I could be wrong. The point is, is that the time zone confliction is really rough. I only got lucky with catching NVIDIA's because as I was recording one of the early bird briefings, as I was doing story hunting, I saw a tweet from NVIDIA saying, our press conference is going live in like two minutes or something. So I got a chance to catch that one live. And from what everyone said, I picked the absolute worst one to catch live. Holy cow. I think the only one that was worse, according to at least Gamers Nexus, was uh, Intel. But Gamers Nexus this year was... uh, For whatever reason, the Gamers Nexus crew were just annoyed with everyone. But I digress. Should we actually do a show? Or should we just ramble about nothing? Let's actually do a show. All right, let's actually do a show. All right, so first first off, we need to talk about JBS. JBS, for those of you who don't know, is a major meatpacking company. And, and all of their meatpacking facilities were completely shut down in Australia and North America. How? By everyone's favorite method of hacking in 2020X. Ransomware! Yeah, pretty much. It's the virus of choice when doing any kind of hacking nowadays. They were shut down by ransomware now unfortunately jbs despite the fact that i have actually sat on this story pretty much all week we actually didn't even report on it on the early bird briefing until i believe it's sunday's episode so actually as we're recording this eagle eyes on tech it hasn't even aired yet And the reason I sat on it for so long is because there's almost no details. The only thing we know and still know is that the JBS meatpacking facilities were shut down for roughly 18 hours. 
That's it. This has no doubt, of course, caused an interruption in the supply line. It might, in fact, impact the cost of meat in the grocery stores, possibly globally. But that's about it. We don't know if JBS paid the ransom. We don't know who the hackers are. There's some suspicion that it's a Russian-based organization, which would then kind of lead into one of the points I made the last time we dealt with a major ransomware attack, which was, if you remember, do not pay the ransom! Ever! Because all it does is teach every other jag who wants to go ahead and do this sort of thing that, hey, you want an easy payday? Do this. Which, lo and behold, might in fact have led to the hack on JBS trying to get a quick payday. Based on the time frame, though, and the history of how these go down, the fact that they were down for 18 hours, I suspect JBS did not pay the ransom and just restored from a backup. But again, we don't know because there have been no details that have been brought forward by JBS. Following up on a different hack, however, we have whatever happened to the ransomware attack on Project CD Red. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot about them too. They've just been pretty much like quiet. They've been slowly patching bugs. I have no idea if there's been any update on the stability of Cyberpunk 2077. For the most part, as far as I'm aware... There's been almost no notable improvement on consoles that anyone's willing to talk about. PC is still fine, and it's still used as a torture test for hardware that no one can buy. Somehow, I still want to call it the most popular RPG. Okay. That seems weird, but I digress. So, we actually now finally have an update about the hack. Because it was speculated that the hack was a bit of a hoax just to try to get a quick payday out of CD Projekt Red. The answer is, no, it was not a hoax. Because we now do have an auction for the full source code of Thronebreaker, Witcher 3, Witcher 3 RTX, and Cyberpunk 2077, as well as a bunch of internal documents. And, well, the information has been auctioned off and is in the hands of who knows who. So... Have fun with that. Oh, boy. That's just fan 
freaking-tastic. So I guess we'll just have to see down the road what this means for CD Projekt Red and their various games. And of course, there is also the, uh, the point that someone in the chat just made. Just because there's an auction doesn't mean they actually had real data. No, but it most likely is, in fact, that. Because otherwise, you don't have the goods. You're putting a huge target on your, on your back if you're just going ahead and making all this stink and just selling hot garbage. It's going to bite back. And the, here's the thing. What do they gain by selling fake data? The only thing they gain is a quick payday now. And their reputation after that is dead. And if your goal is to go ahead and do these sort of sorts of hacks and make a payday out of it, well, once your reputation's gone, that's it. You're nothing. So I guess if it is fake, we'll most likely hear about it because, well, whoever the heck would buy it and then get a whole bunch of nothing out of it would definitely make a stink about it. Meanwhile, speaking of uh, toxic hacker-like organizations, TikTok has updated its U.S. privacy privacy policy. So the previous administration here in the U.S. had a vendetta against TikTok, mostly because of the various odd behaviors that TikTok had in mining data out of its users. And it was some legitimately concerning stuff regardless of what opinion you had over the previous administration like the the blasted app was trying to get root access in some cases and going ahead and circumventing a lot of security that is built into the ios platform and then of course you know stealing mac addresses and other bits of information on the android platform that it absolutely is not allowed to do It's not like the concerns over TikTok were unjustified. But the current administration doesn't share that same sort of concern. Take that for what you will. But TikTok has, regardless, updated its privacy policy to take to say that, yes, we are going to take face prints and voice prints. But uh, here's the thing. Those aren't real terms. What is a face print? I guess a fingerprint, but your face, they don't define what it is. The same thing with a voice print. What is that? We don't know. So, of course, with vague definitions like that, what are they collecting? We don't know. 
And that is kind of the problem with this. TikTok has just continued to be vague upon vague upon vague of what they're taking. I mean, I could go ahead and say that uh, this podcast collects uh, unicorn tears and then never define what unicorn tears are. So I could just go ahead and collect whatever. That's not how podcasts works, fortunately. You can't just go ahead, launch a podcast, and mine all the the this, that's, and the other, other things. That's, that's a whole other thing altogether. But I digress. So it just kind of boils down to, from a privacy point of view, what is this app taking? And you know what's getting even worse? What is getting so much worse? The platform TikTok from a influencer's point of view is gaining more and more and more and more traction as a platform that you really should be on. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. So what do you do? And the answer is, I don't know. From the perspective of a content consumer point of view, the answer is easy. Just don't download TikTok at all, ever, period, end of story. Just don't. But what about all the cool stuff that happened on TikTok? Just wait for it to show up on Twitter. Because inevitably that's what happens. Every single time, every single time something cool gets posted on TikTok, someone reposts it on Twitter. Every time, 100% of the time, or they repost it on, on YouTube with the YouTube shorts thing. From a content creator's point of view, from a influencer's point of view, I don't know. I am still trying to figure it out. I know a couple of influencers that have been indifferent about TikTok, but are now looking at it as a platform to go ahead and spread their brand out to try and branch out and add another revenue or add another channel, so to say, of discoverability to their platform. I don't know if it's worth it or not. I don't. And I don't know what I'm going to be doing about it either, because of course... I, too, do have a media creation platform. I use it to create podcasts. I make content on Twitch. I sometimes feel like making content on YouTube. It's kind of, you know, all of that. And then to see TikTok just continue over and over and over again to just be absolutely disgustingly scummy about the way they operate and be as vague as possible as to how they go ahead and do it and what they collect... It just feels dirtier and dirtier the more and more you look at TikTok. And I would, even if I end up having to go ahead and start posting some stuff on TikTok, I would never recommend anyone use TikTok. Ugh. So there we go. There's my TikTok rant for the week. Thank you for coming to my Eagle Talk. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk about that. In the meantime, though, while TikTok's being vague about their data gathering, Google is being more transparent. 
they are in fact implementing measures in regards to what data can be mined from their platforms and restricting it a bit more. Previously on Android devices, you had the ability to opt out of various tracking methods, but there was still a way for advertisers to get that data regardless, which basically made that switch completely and utterly pointless. Well, Google is now going to be putting in additional steps to help protect that information rather than just selling it anyway and this is clearly a move that google is doing because apple decided to go ahead and implement its ios uh what was it 11.5 12.5 whatever point five it was whatever version of ios that apple recently launched that really really ticked off mark zuckerberg which by the way can i just say I have now come to an important discovery. I I now unconditionally love anything that ticks off Mark Zuckerberg. Whatever it is, as long as it ticks off Mark, I am all in for it. Whatever ticks him off. I mean, unless it involves killing things, then I mean, it's, you know, then I'm probably against it. But man, anything that pisses off Facebook... Yes, sign me up. Unless it's TikTok, then probably not. So there you go. Google trying to be more pro us as the consumers. Meanwhile, Huawei is being anti-Android. And by anti-Android, I mean copying Android. And by copying Android, I mean just basically using Android and putting their own skin on it. But because it's a fork off Android, it's their own operating system. Huawei officially announces Harmony OS. We have talked about this operating system a bit in the past, though granted, it has been at least 80 years. Or at least that's what it feels like since, well, 2020 lasted. How long did 2020 last? 80 years, 100 years, 200 years. God, I don't even know anymore. I'm pretty sure 2020 lasted six centuries. Give or take a millennia. But I digress. Harmony OS officially launched and will be on Huawei devices that, by the way, current administration has not removed Huawei from the U.S. entity list. It could be because either the current administration completely forgot about that or they actually do legitimately, despite shooting back and saying that putting Huawei on that list was an overreach, actually agree with the statement. We've actually talked about it quite a bit here about how, you know, if you look a little bit behind the scenes, look a little bit behind the curtain. As far as what Huawei does, it is actually really, really messed up. So, I mean, there you go. Harmony OS, they are still doing everything in their power to make a superior, inferior product. I hope they enjoy that. Huawei does plan on launching more Harmony OS devices. I personally could care less, to be perfectly honest. Huawei is just going to Huawei. 
maybe one day Huawei will decide to not put a hilarious amount of spyware into their stuff. Maybe one day Xiaomi, another cell phone maker, will not try to go ahead and push the limits as to how many watts they can pump into a phone before it explodes. This is quite possibly the most horrifying thing I have ever heard. Xiaomi introduces hyper-charging tech. A 200-watt phone charger that can fully charge a 4,000 milliamp battery, which is about the average of what phones are nowadays-ish, to 100% in eight minutes. This sounds cool, right? Just take your phone, put on the charger, go ahead and just use the bathroom real quick. Come back. All right, well, that's good enough. Time to go. There's just one problem with this. Fast charging a phone this much is going to cause... It's going to shorten the battery of that light... Or shorten the lifespan of that battery drastically. Like, normally, I actually can't remember the last time I actually had to replace a battery in a phone. Mostly because nowadays, phone batteries just, you can't get at them. There's no way. And then on top of that, I've always have a fairly decent portable charger that can charge the battery, that can charge my phone at, I believe it caps at 30 watts. On this particular phone. It, it's a pretty high-end fast charger, but it's nowhere near as ludicrous as this. 200 watts. You know that battery? You could cause some serious damage to it. Like, if something goes wrong and it doesn't cut the power too too quickly, it can overcharge and cause that battery to swell and combust. Pretty quickly. Like, I actually have legitimate concerns about this technology. This is just way too much. There's also something that kind of strikes me as very odd about the setup they have going on here for this 200-watt charging. They show a wall adapter plugged into a voltmeter that's measuring, you know, everything that's going out of this phone... Or they're going to going out of this charger. The wall wart looks bigger than a normal wall wart, but I would say it looks about as big as uh, oh, about a MacBook charger, about that size, like roughly a, like two inches or like five centimeters on all sides, except the thickness is closer to about an inch or two and a half centimeters ish. I know my measurements aren't precise, and I'm really bad at converting inches to centimeters off the top of my head. But the thing is that the charger looks radically smaller than, I, than I'm used to seeing for, say, a laptop 200-watt charger. Something just doesn't add up about this demonstration.
in the end, though, assuming that this demonstration is real, don't do it. Just don't do it. This is going to be a bad time for the phone and everyone involved. And before we hit the first break, it is officially official, official, official. LG has ended all smartphone production. They reported they were going to do this before. They announced they were going to do it. But now all LG phones are no longer in production. Rest in peace, LG. At least LG smartphones. Press F to pay respects. It's all officially gone. Yeah, I'm still going to miss them. They actually had headphone jacks. I think that might officially kill the headphone jack outside of like the one to two hundred dollar and three hundred dollar offerings from the high end smartphone makers. I was still curious to see if some of their crazier co- like they they try- they were showing off a rollable phone not too long ago, and we'll never ever see it for sale ever. It's just that's it. Gone forever. We're going to take our break here when we come back. We have a bit of Twitter news and, of course, all of uh, the news from Computex. If you want to come and chat with me when I'm recording these podcasts, just go ahead and visit me at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. We record Eagle Eyes on Tech every... Well, usually every Saturday. Sometimes it's we have to do it on a Sunday, but pretty much every Saturday is when we record record these. And also during the rest of the week, we have all other kinds of fun silliness with all kinds of different games. Check it out. Twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so let's talk about Twitter for a moment. Twitter cannot seem to decide what it wants to do with its life for the most part. It wants to continue this uh, pretending that it is a public forum for all to speak, but then it bans all of... Then it uh, goes ahead and silences... The government of Nigeria, which then results in Twitter being banned from all of Nigeria. Part of me just wants to imagine all of Twitter had like the surprised Pikachu face on their face. When they found out they were suspended as a service we used in all of Nigeria. You know what's even better? 
they used another account to announce on Twitter that Twitter was suspended in Nigeria for banning the Nigerian president. Or rather, not even did not not even banning the Nigerian president. I should phrase that differently. They just deleted one of his tweets. Specifically talking about the remembrance of the civil war that happened in Nigeria. I'm just saying, Twitter. uh, If you're going to get involved in stuff like that, expect shots being fired back. Kind of like how if you want to go ahead and try to make a paid subscription service, Twitter, uh, you need to give us more than just an undo button. So this has been talked about for a while. Twitter does plan on rolling out a subscription service. That is inevitable. And we can... I I don't know what we're going to do about it. Like it, hate it, be indifferent about it, never give money for it. Because the more and more the... uh, We hear about the Twitter subscription service, the Twitter blue, as it's called, the more it tells us to just not get it. For example, they are planning to launch a local weather service with Twitter blue so that you can go ahead and get your local weather and also be able to have a Q&A with meteorologists. As part of your Q&A, as part of your subscription service. Yes, because if there's one thing I go to Twitter for, it's my local weather. That, that's not why I boot up, you know, something like, say, the Weather Channel at all. No, not at all. No, that's not what, what I go. That's, that's the, that. No, I go to Twitter for that. Like, quick poll in the chat here. How many people use Twitter for their weather? So far, the answer is no one. Someone in the chat asked how long before the Twitter outage over the weather begins. (gasps) There's a real question. It's just... I get that Twitter wants to go ahead and make a subscription service. They want to make a premium experience so that you can go ahead and use Twitter in a way that they can earn more revenue and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But local weather? Are you or are you not? A social media platform. In fact, here, you want to go ahead and give a feature that people will pay for? Bring an edit button! That's it! That's all you got to do! Introduce an edit button! Edit tweet! How many times? 
are we about to go ahead and post something and then realize oh no I spelled stream wrong or put in the URL for twitch.tv slash eagle falcon and wrong I need to go and quickly delete that fourth W but no we're not gonna add that the single most requested feature in all lands but we'll give you an undo button So, so disappointed. By the way, apparently uh, Twitter had uh, reopened its verification process and uh, it shut it down. Apparently the, the verification process opened up on May 20th and has already shut it down again. So if you wanted blue check marks, I'm sorry, your window has passed. Man, I should have applied. See if I could have gotten a blue check mark and then just prove. See, any Joe Schmo can get one. Disclaimer, my real name is not Joe. My last name is also not Schmo. True disclaimers. All right, should we talk about Computex? For those who are not in the know, uh, Computex is basically the... It's a trade show that uh, that happens pretty much every June, every year, and it's basically solely focused around computer components. If CES is a trade show to show what electronics and computers can be available for the masses, Computex is around more to show... What is around for the computer builders? But this year at Computex is a little different. There is a big focus this year on laptops. Now, let's see if you can guess. Why would there be a big focus on laptops this year? Anyone? Anyone want to guess why th- why there's a focus on laptops this year? It's actually not hard. It's because if you are a pro user of computers, you're only going to be able to get your hands on laptops. Because all of your desktop components were sucked dry thanks to cryptocurrency mining compounded on top of the silicon chip shortage. If you wanted to go ahead, if you were desperate and you needed to get a gaming PC right now, good luck. You're not going to build it. There's just no way. 
the scalper situation along with the cryptocurrency miner situation has guaranteed you will not get your hands on a GPU. CPUs are also in short supply, but it's nowhere near as bad as GPUs. High-end power supplies are pretty much all gone because cryptocurrency miners bought every single freaking power supply that was over a thousand watts. So, I mean, all of a sudden, hey, these laptops, cryptocurrency miners aren't getting those. So that was the main focus in Computex this year. In fact, Intel was very proud that their new 11th gen CPUs that are actually 10 nanometers for one Soma gods can hit up to five gigahertz. Well, I mean, Intel, you got to be proud for something, right? And for that, and for the most part, I mean, hey, go nuts, Intel. Go have fun with that. One thing that Intel, although Intel's keynote, apparently from right here, I actually didn't get a chance to watch it, was uh, very disjointed. In fact, they didn't even talk about in their keynote one of the things they actually announced that was actually very interesting. The Beast Canyon NUC 11, which was basically what appears to be an external GPU enclosure except it actually has a full-blown computer in it. It is a very small, almost a freaking console-sized PC that, by the way, is modular. This runs on the new 11th Gen Tiger Lake CPUs. Unfortunately, it is running on laptop CPUs since it's so small. But the thing is with it, I mean, first off, it has RGB on it, so already big plus. But because it uses the compute element design, basically inside it, you will only see a grand total of basically four components. The board everything plugs in, that everything plugs into, the power supply, what appears to be a small GPU, but that is actually the CPU, the integrated GPU, the chipset, all the I.O., and the storage. All in that one. Basically, the entire computer. All on this small little graphic card looking thing. And then, of course, there is also a slot for an actual GPU that you can plug in. Once GPUs decide to no longer be fairy tales. So it actually is a very interesting little mini computer and i for one am looking forward to a day and age when people can get one and upgrade it but of course price is still yet to be seen and we'll see how things go down the road in the meantime amd was declared the winner of computex because of all the wonderful things they announced I will, however, argue that uh, the people who won Computex this year were the people who didn't see it. But, you know, that's just me. AMD, however, announced that they will, that they are going to have their RX... 6800 and 6700M 
graphic cards for laptops. And you see where the laptop team is going, as well as a program for verified AMD thin and light gaming laptops. It's basically like a program similar to Intel's netbooks or ultrabooks, except this is done by AMD and solely for full AMD powered gaming laptops. So you're, so you're going to be seeing a lot of these laptops that are powered by AMD Ryzen CPUs and AMD Ryzen GPUs. Which is all well and good, but I mean, as good as the AMD GPUs are. Ooh. NVIDIA's are still way better feature packed ones. So, and then of course AMD talked about a few other things, including the ability that the, that down the road they're gonna have three 3D CPU designs, putting chiplets on top of chiplets, and all sorts of other fun stuff that uh, really doesn't matter because it's not going to exist now and will only exist later on down the road as a finished product in which stuff may change. However, there are some rumors of a AMD Radeon Pro W6800 GPU. A GPU that is going to be a professional-grade version of the RX 6800. And that's interesting, but unfortunately, uh, well, I have no faith that people are going to be able to get their hands on it. But I want to point out something, okay? People aren't getting angry about this GPU. Let me rephrase that. At the time of recording this, people aren't angry about the existence of an AMD Radeon Pro. Right now in the PC building space, people are furious with the GPU makers since supply is just not meeting demand. And it's mostly because of the chip shortage. Compound on the fact that everything's being scalped and then resold at insane markups which is then being paid by the cryptocurrency miners who are willing to pay any price as long as they can keep printing money but no one is angry about the existence of the 60 of the w6800 despite the fact that that gpu could have very easily have been with a little bit of tweaking and rx6800 instead So why is everyone furious about the release of the RTX 3080 Ti and RTX 3070 Ti? It actually is an honest question. So Nvidia at theirs, they pretty much stroked their own ego for a little bit and then talked about what they're doing for laptops, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then revealed the RTX 3080 Ti, which is then going to be sold at $1,199, assuming that you live in perfect land where things can be bought at their actual price. 
and the RTX 3070 Ti that will launch for, I believe, $499 was the price they announced for this for the 3070. $599 for the, for the 3070 Ti. But of course, it doesn't really matter because the, the supply is not going to meet the demand. But the tech circles are furious with NVIDIA for releasing the RTX 3080 Ti. And part of me gets it. At, at, ver- at, at first, I also agreed that NVIDIA was tone deaf for releasing another high-end GPU and they can't even meet the demand of their mass market GPUs. I mean, they're not even close. No GPU can stay on the shelf. And the 3060 are supposed to be their easiest to produce, and they can't even keep those on the shelf. So what chance does the 3080 Ti have? Until I saw how it's made. So the 3080 Ti is basically the 3090 GPU die, but with half the memory and a little bit of the performance chopped off. That's it. The 3080 Ti is basically a 3090, but for $300 left with half the memory. Keep in mind, the 3090 is sold out. They cannot make enough to meet demand of that either. Which then goes to the next question. There is a silicon chip shortage. How many chips are on a GPU? From how, well, let me rephrase that. How many different kinds of chips are on one GPU? I couldn't even tell you the exact number. But the answer is many. And every single one of those has to come from a different vendor. Someone has to make the RAM chips. Someone has to make the actual GPU itself. Someone has to make all the various little this and that's on the boards as well. So cutting down the memory in half does help try to meet the demand on the higher end models. So what first came off as NVIDIA is tone deaf to the situation and just releasing more GPUs, when you look at it in a more realistic point of view, it is a sign, and I do want to say a sign, that NVIDIA is trying to do whatever they can to get as many GPUs out there despite the current situation because of course it's gonna take a long time everyone is suspecting even nvidia that this shortage problem is going to last into 2022 possibly even into the middle of 2022 it's quite possible by the time this chip shortage is solved 
We're going to be talking about the RTX 4000 series. Which is a shame because there was so much promise in the Ampere GPU generation. So with that said, I'm actually more curious as to what is the 3070 Ti going to look like? Is it going to be very similar to what the 3080 is? Just a shaved down version of the 3080 with fewer fewer components on it so that more can be pushed out. Does that mean we could be seeing that same sort of shave down, make everything easier to, to manufacture for the lower mainstream end? Who knows? I will say this much. as I mean, don't even bother trying to get a 3080. It's not going to happen. I'm willing to bet if I go to eBay right now on a different screen or on the same screen, I don't know. If I go to eBay and I look up RTX 3080 Ti, I'm willing to bet I'm going to see 3000. Yep. Oh, we actually do have one at a, at the low, low price of $2,300. Oh, we have an auction going to $2,000. Ooh, buy it now for $2,500. Keep in mind, this is a GPU that's... It's literally more than double! Literally double! Ah, but you're thinking... Nah, that's just all the current offers. No one's paying that, right? Right? Let's switch to computer listings. One confirmed ended $2,300. Another confirmed auction ended $2,300. Another confirmed ended $2,450. Another confirmed ended buy it now $2,500. Another one $2,500 plus $25 shipping. At least the other $2,500 gave free shipping. They're still selling. And you know what the worst part is? I am willing to bet these ones that sold, they're not gonna be playing the, the they're not gonna be playing Cyberpunk 2077. They're not gonna be playing any game whatsoever. They're most likely gonna be used for Ethereum mining. Oh, here's the cheapest one, 2150. I'm not going to lie, seeing enough black numbers is making me happy. Black numbers, for those who aren't aware with how eBay works, in completed listings, black numbers means that they, the auction or listing finished with no buyer. It is encouraging to see enough of those black numbers, but there are way too many green numbers for my taste. Not a single one of these. Under a grand. 
just for curiosity's sake, uh, 30, 60, something more mainstream. Oh, $900. 840, 850, $800, $870, $1,275.99. 950, 870. By the way, this is a card that's supposed to sell for $300. Like we talk about the GPU shortage situation here on this podcast quite a bit, but there are still plenty of people out there who are in the gaming space that just don't realize how bad the GPU shortage is. How bad? Let me go for something a bit cheaper. Let's say my GTX 1060 dies. How much is a GTX 1060 right now? Oh, here we go. $350. $370. Oh, here's one. $200. That's actually relatively close to uh, what it was new. $350. $300. $342. By the way, this was a card that, like, new was, like, $200. This is how bad it is. This is how bad the shortage is. I should also point out, as I'm listing off these prices, there are two different 1060s. One is a 3-gig model, and the other is a 6-gig model. And the 6-gig model is a different GPU than the 3-gig th- model. It is an infuriating fact about the 1060. But if you think it's just the Ampere GPUs, oh no. You could actually just turn a profit right now. By selling your older ones. In fact, here, I have a GT, uh, I have a 780 Founders Edition sitting on the shelf behind me. How much is that going for right now? $200. $230. Oh, that's for a TI. $132 for the 780 Founders Edition. This is a GPU that is what? Four, five years old? The 1060 is actually better than the 780, by the way. But because the the supply is so low, people are willing to go ahead and grab some some of these older cards because they have no choice. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have scenes like this one. Which you can't see because this is an audio-only podcast. But a Micro Center, which is a computer parts reseller here in the States, was in fact mobbed on launch day. People just barged in. 
and try to grab whatever the heck they could. Please don't do that, by the way. Now, while the major manufacturers went ahead and announced all that, the various computer wholesalers also announced some of their products. Alienware actually announced a major change in their laptop lineup, announcing two new laptops, the Alienware X15 and the X17. And these are very interesting for a number of reasons. First off, they are stupid thin. For an Alienware laptop, these are crazy thin laptops. How thin, you might ask? Well, let me get some specs on that. Let's see if they're willing to go ahead and talk about the actual thickness. I'm actually trying to find it real quick. It is, in fact... 0.642 inches thick unless you have the higher unless you have the higher and uh, 360 hertz display then it is 0.626 inches thick oh that's actually thinner like it is crazy thin but there's a couple of interesting little things about this First off, your part choice. To customize one of these new super thin laptops, these X-series Alienware laptops, you have the wonderful choice of the Intel Core i9-11900H, which is an 8-core part, up to 4.9 gigahertz, or... You can also choose between Windows 10 Home and Windows 10 Pro. Your graphics card options leave you with an NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080 8GB or and of course you have the option between a 1440p screen that is 240Hz or a 1080p screen with 360Hz. Oh, that's why it's thinner. It's high, it's lower resolution. All right. And your memory options is 32 gigabytes or you also have the option of a single 2 terabyte M.2 drive or two 1 terabyte M.2 drives in RAID 0 for double the chance of failure or two 2 terabyte M.2 drives in RAID 0. So you, so you can see you have plenty of options in this laptop, as in basically none. So Alienware clearly decided in the construction of this during the chip shortage is just give you the top tier option and no other option. Basically, you can configure this thing to be anywhere from $3,331 or let's just quickly update everything to be maxed out. Or up to thir- or up to thirty eight hundred seventy five dollars and eighty nine cents. That's it, because they only give you the option of the top tier. 
But that's not what disappoints me about this build. It disappoints me that the that your choices are gone, but I get it. It's it's you know a major chip shortage. You're you're gonna have problems. But when you think Alienware, back in the old days, Alienware laptops were thick. By the way, there is still the last generation M15, which also has 11th gen processors, as well as a Ryzen version of the M15. And those you can also update with latest components. So it's not like you have to go with the super thin ones that you only have one option. You can go for a cheaper option. It's just not the super thin, sleek option. But you know, what's, you notice what's missing? When you think of Alienware, you think big, thick, meaty laptops, massive ones that you could even go in if you so choose and upgrade every single component, at least that the chipset would, would, would let you dual mobile GPUs that were upgradable, socketed GPUs. That's what Alienware did best back in the day. Socketed CPUs, and granted, mobile CPUs aren't socketed anymore. But if you remember, not all that long ago, I was stoked when Alienware released the Area 51M, a thick, chunky laptop that had a desktop socketed CPU and a fully supported swappable modular GPU. It was basically a full blown desktop in a thick laptop body. And I mean thick for a for a laptop. Like it was still portable. It was just like a 15 pound laptop. But it was capable. It was powerful. It was a monster that you could go ahead, you could make that thing last forever since every piece of it was modular. You could get in there and you could repair all of it like you could an old school Alienware. Heck, I had an M18X. I repaired it on stream and replaced its various components. The Alienware Area 51M is now listed as a legacy product from Alienware. It might just be a decision that they made because there's a chip shortage. It's hard to make these higher end, over the top, monstrous, do everything mobile battle stations like the Area 51M. That I I acknowledge that's a possibility. But man, if this really is a sign of where Alienware really wants to go and just have everything. one choice, one decision on what you're going to get. And oh, by the way, it's going to be super slim, super sleek, super Apple-like. And much like Apple, it's going to be nigh unrepairable and potentially bendable in half. I'm sorry. I will be extremely, extremely disappointed. Not only that, but lately Alienware has just been, well, actually Dell in general, I used to call Dell the gold standard for mediocrity. 
Lindell has lately just been slipping further and further below being the gold standard of mediocrity. Like, they are starting to get to the point of being acer levels of usefulness. And it's not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. And that's a real shame. It really, really is. Now, if a $3,000 gaming laptop that you may or may not be able to bend in half is a bit too rich for you, I got good news. Not about gaming laptops, though. You're you're still hosed. But uh, Google decided to release wireless earbuds just for you. You know, just in case that you can't find a phone that... uh, that has, a, has the mythical headphone jack. Google has you covered. With $100 wireless earbuds that are not knockoffs. Have you tried some of those like $20 knockoff AirPods? I would have rather spent that $20 on a sandwich. I'm not going to lie. That was an awful, terrible experience. It was abysmal. There's just no other way to call it. Absolutely abysmal. Fitbit with no good way to... uh... Someone in chat says a $20 sandwich better be amazing. Dude, if uh, if your choices are between an overpriced $5 foot long and... uh... And some of these $20 knockoff AirPods, you're going to want the sandwich. You're going to want the sandwich. Trust me. It is that bad. Someone in chat says they got those Raycon earbuds for $6. Are those actually good? Like, this might just be, like, the nagging voice in my head. But anytime I see, like a product that is advertised as heavily as those Raycon earbuds, I just immediately think that there's some kind of scam going on. And maybe that's just the, the, the mobile gamer brain in me saying like, hey, I see a lot of ads for Raid Shadow Legends. I think I'm going to avoid that like, like the plague. Same person in the chat says they are okay, just lots of bass. Okay, fair enough. Someone else in chat says the Echo Buds have been working great for for them. I actually would be curious, and we're, I'm going to be keeping an eye open on the various tech outlets for the, what are they being called? They are called the Google Pixel Buds A-Series. Let's see how well they work. I actually would be curious. Now, there are, like, some features that are missing from, from these buds compared to uh, what Google offered before. But I mean, let's be honest. We're going to wait wait for either MKBHD or Linus Tech Tips to review them first. Probably MKBHD is going to get to them first if I had to place bets. That's that seems to be about about the bar, right? Linus gets to the uh to the computer compo- components of of things first. MKBHD is just like, it, 
Is is this something you are more likely to have on your on your personage as you're walking down the street? I got you covered. Either that or Tesla stuff. Speaking of stuff you're likely to have on you, your Fitbit will soon be able to tell if you're snoring. Yay! I just realized I'm past due for a break, so I'm just not going to take it. <laughs> I, I have just, I looked at the clock and I just realized that this segment has gone on for 40 minutes and I'm supposed to be doing 30 minute segments. Whatever. We don't have ads on this podcast yet anyway. What, is, what does it matter? What does it matter? So I'm not going to lie. Uh, the Fitbit being able to say if you're snoring too loudly. Actually, no joke. Is a very useful feature. That can actually help diagnose you early on if you should go in and uh, get checked to see if you have uh, sleep apnea or not. Like, I can actually legitimately see this feature from Fitbit actually being useful wwdc from apple is coming soon in fact this podcast airs on monday most likely by the time this podcast is out wwdc is over but there's already some interesting hints as to what's gonna be in wwdc like uh apple putting out a job mention for people to work on something they're calling home OS. There is no such thing as home OS. We have TV OS, we have watch OS, we have iOS, we have iPad OS. Someone in chat says you can get a Fitbit or just get into a loving, stable relationship and your significant other will be more than happy to smack you with a pillow and wake you up for snoring too loudly. So get a Fitbit and you can avoid being pummeled in your sleep by a pillow. I understand now. I understand everything now. In any case... It's hard to say what home OS is going to be. In fact, actually, I wish I thought about this before uh, before I did my WWC prediction episode of the early bird briefing. But hear me out, all right? Right now, the only smartphone or the only smart home devices Apple has right now is the HomePod, a speaker no one should buy, and the HomePod Mini, a speaker that I guess you should buy maybe if you really, really are uh, that ingrained into the Apple ecosystem. Like seriously, $300 for a smart speaker is way too much. The $100 for the HomePod Mini Ugh, that's still high, but ugh. That's that's easier to swallow. But I'm just saying, if Apple hopes to get into the into the smart home market, they need to do what Amazon did. You need a HomePod dot. You need 
a $30 entry into that space. But where does Home OS come in? You, it's very difficult to make a full-blown operating system around a smart speaker. But the thing is, is that if you look at other smart speaker ecosystems, like, say, the Amazon one, you have more than just the three-tier speaker. You have more than just the Echo Dot, the Echo, and the... There, there's an Echo Pro, right? There's a high-end Echo that has, like, a subwoofer and whatnot like the other systems do. Or not. I actually don't remember. But beyond that, you have the Echo Show lineup. Those are Echoes with a screen. And that is what I think HomeOS is for. I think we're going to get a HomePod with a screen. Maybe they'll even just call it iPad Home. So maybe we'll get an announcement and tease of that at WWDC. But pretty much everyone and their mother is saying we're going to get new MacBook Pros and new MacBooks at WWDC. And everyone's saying that the MacBook Pro is going to have all the ports. The more and more I hear people talk about how much the iPad Pro is going to have all the ports in the world, like the MagSafe, like the HDMI, and all that, the more I think it's not going to happen. The more and more it just sounds like everyone being hopeful. It's like, I hope we get HDMI back on our Mac laptops. Oh, boy. Oh, man, I hope we get an SD card reader back. Oh, boy, I can't wait to have functionality on my laptop again. Oh, boy. I just don't think Apple's going to go ahead, release a product that says, yeah, all these years we've been wrong. It just seems so unlike Apple to admit they were wrong. But they did it with the butterfly keyboard switches. Mostly because they were about to have those keyboards sued out of existence. So I don't know. We shall see. Apparently the the Amazon device that is the high-end... Echo is the Echo Studio, and that is a $200 smart speaker, which just looks like a uh, a regular Echo that uh, that put on a little too much weight during the vid. It's okay, Echo Studio. I'm trying to lose weight too. There's no shame in it. It also has an option to come with an Echo Sub. So it doesn't have the subwoofer built in. But uh, you do you, Echo Studio. Uh, I'm just going to continue with my Echo Dot. That is... It's got to be what? How many generations old is this? I want to say this is like two generations old. Yeah, it is. Because now the new Echo Dots are spherical? I want to say he says type in an echo dot and find out he misspelled echo like a genius. Yeah. The new one, the new fourth gen ones are spherical. I have one of the second gen ones. Got it. 35 bucks. Oh, and it's certified for humans. 
Look out. Your Echo Dot is now certified for human consumption. No, no longer is it a smart speaker for tiger people. It is certified for human. Why does it have that badge of certified for humans? That's so bizarre. And why is the fourth gen Echo Dot certified for humans with the fourth gen Echo Dot with clock not certified for humans? If you want an Echo Dot for with clock, it is only capable for all walrus people out there. Or is it actually certified for the lizard people? To our reptilian overlords. Actually, while I have this up, how much is the Echo Show? So we can kind of get an idea of uh, of what an iPad home would look like. Currently, right now, at the time of looking at this, the Echo Show 5 first gen, that's actually the one I have, is $50 for a limited time. As of the time of recording this, normally $90. Yeah, no, it's never going to go back to that. Echo Show 8 is 130 Currently on sale for uh, for eighty. Second gen, which is the most recent release, is one hundred and thirty. Echo Show ten. Third gen is two hundred and fifty. I will. I will predict if this uh, if I am correct that there is an iPad Home. Which is just what I'm calling it. They may just call it the ho- the HomePod. I think it's just going to be called the iPad Home. That if it is going to be like a Home OS sort of thing with a screen, I am going to predict right now two ninety nine. That is my prediction. In, uh, with no good way to segue to this, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator has put out an update that cuts its 170 gig file size in half, all the way down to 83 gigabytes. Microsoft Flight Simulator was 170 gigs? Holy cow! That is a chonky game, TM. That is That is a lot of space. Well... I mean, now that you've gotten all that space back, now you can install all kinds of video game ROMs onto your PC, except for the fact that a ROM site owner that made $30,000 a year on their ROM site now has to pay out $2.1 million to Nintendo as their website was shut down. The specific site in this case is... ROMUniverse.com, which has been completely shut down. And, uh, yeah. While they did offer some useful stuff, a lot of the stuff they had also were just pirated copies of Nintendo Switch games. So, more than likely, it was less about users trying to get access to some of the ROMs to games they actually owned and more likely people using these ROMs to pirate games. But alas, once again, another example of why we can't have nice things. Wah, wah, wah. 
Well, we actually could have some nice things. AMC is giving away free popcorn to their meme stock investors. Uh, did you go ahead and, and buy into the Reddit craze to invest in AMC theaters? You can get free popcorn! Woo! All right, someone in chat has actually given me what the Certified for Humans means. The Certified for Humans is an Amazon certification program for Alexa-compatible devices that that identifies high-quality smart home experience across setup, usability, and performance. Certified for Human devices are struggle-free, tinker-free, and stress-free, which now just raises the point, why the heck did Amazon put it on just one of their echo devices i think that i think it was put on there in error because the whole program seems to highly imply that uh hey this device is going to work with our network completely that same person says it's on the the standard echo as well why the heck is it not on the one with the clock Are clocks too stressful to be human compatible? (laughs) This is a very strange admission by Amazon. Either the... Like, the description that seems to... And maybe I'm reading too much into it. It seems to imply that... It's supposed to go on Echo compatible devices, not the actual Echo devices that are the hub for it itself. But holy cow! It's just admitting like, hey, you want this? You better know what you're doing or else. By the way, one thing that was turning on Twitter quite a bit is, and I want to make sure I have this term exactly correct before I start quoting it, that actually is related to the AMC stock. I believe it was called Naked Shorts. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Apparently, there is some investigations going right now that some of the investors that uh, were that were trying to short the AMC stock, we're doing what's called naked shorts, which is illegal. We actually we actually might hear more about that next week or the week after, but there's a lot of rumbling right now about the potential that there was some illegal trading activity going on with AMC, and not related to the Redditors, but related to the hedge funders that were shorting AMC stock in the first place. But basically, the the short of it, from what I understand, pun intended, is that uh, they were shorting the stock with no intention on actually buying the stock later, which is what's referred to as a naked short, at least as far as what two seconds of looking this up has told me. And I'm most likely incorrect about that. But that's basically what I'm seeing there. Also, why the heck? Speaking of weird trends. I'm not going to say what the hashtag that's trending is right now. I'm just going to give the description of what's also trending. People discuss a cryptocurrency for adult creators, which has seen a price surge after a cryptic tweet by Elon Musk. 
and I actually cannot say what the name of the cryptocurrency is because I am fairly certain it would then make this podcast not family friendly. I hate the internet sometimes. I really, really do. Which brings us to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day. Another sign that I hate things from the internet. Norton Antivirus is launching a new feature built into their security suite called Norton Crypto that lets you use spare GPU cycles to mine Ethereum on your computer. Yes, no longer do you have to go to shady sections of the internet to go ahead and mine cryptocurrency. Now you can go ahead and do it all thanks to the virus, I mean security system known as Norton Antivirus. Fantastic. Now now it's no longer a meme. Now Norton Antivirus is actually showing signs that would, by definition of what an antivirus scans for, actually be viral behavior. Fan freaking tastic. You know what? Now literally everything is hopping onto the crypto boom just as its usefulness in the world is being questioned more and more. For the rec- actually let me quickly take a look at what the cryptocurrency what the cr- current uh, crypto space looks like. Um at the time of recording this uh Bitcoin is dipping and actually has gone down over this last actually it's gone up over this past week by 2% and actually was on a big rise for a bit with a cratering dip and then went up again then went down again and is on and is trending down right now ethereum currently over the past week has been trending up and is now trending down and dogecoin is dogecoin actually shockingly has been like one of the most stable Oh, yeah, by the way, this week, uh, Coinbase, the most popular cryptocurrency uh, outlet, finally allowed Dogecoin. And Dogecoin has, uh, it's up 0.06 over the last week. Yeah. So more and more cryptocurrency is just kind of trending. Is It's on the down, it's on the downswing. It's recovered after Elon kind of beat up uh, Bitcoin as a whole and questioning its power consumption on the world, which also, you, you know, you know what I actually do love? A lot of people are trying to justify that uh, crypto or that uh, do no, not Dogecoin, that uh, Bitcoin's impact on the power consumption of the world is no more than just the actual footprint of the money we use currently there's just one problem with that the existence of say a single one dollar cash bill does not consume power by its sheer existence whereas bitcoin kind of does 
And that's always kind of one of the hard things about trying to measure exactly what is the impact on the world with crypto, because by its very nature, crypto is extremely difficult to track. Crypto is just very hard to track its sheer existence. It's not impossible, mind you. So how the heck are we going to get an accurate reading of how much power it all consumes across the world? Someone in chat is willing to buy my GTX 1060 so they can use it to mine crypto on Norton antivirus. That right there is the dumbest thing either of us could possibly do. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And um, yeah, right right now we, we have no uh, adverti- advertisers on this podcast. I hope to change that soon so all i do is humbly ask that you uh continue continue listening and also check out my other outlets uh check out my daily podcast the early bird briefing that airs every single morning at 4 a.m central time you can listen to it of course whenever you want and of course check out my twitch page twitch.tv slash eagle falcon take care and hopefully you have a great day Bye bye the real question though currently in the world there are two main antiviruses that nobody uses everyone hates but everyone knows their name so norton has gone in and sided with ethereum i want to know hey mcafee which cryptocurrency are you gonna let me mine you know just call me i'm i'm very curious come on mcafee antivirus what cryptocurrency are you gonna let me mine and then afterwards, you know, w- which antivirus do I go to make sure there's no malicious code trying to mine without my consent? I mean, if the antivirus is just going to become the miners, I mean, when you find the antivirus that fights against the antivirus that's mining, unlike the antiviruses, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and just stop using antivirus. Has the word antivirus just sounded like a, like a random sound yet? I think it has.